come on the day we get together. I am privileged. Thank you for the worship. Some of those old songs, you know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's power. There's power. You agree? Oh. Oh, his kingdom forever. I thought it was about hiking. Um, and it was misspelt on your T-shirt. His king, hiking. His kingdom. No, it's this modern thing. Old guys like us have got to decipher these things. <laughs> so I'm in the Weinberg congregation. I, my first visit to, um, to Wellington was with a, with a directing elders um, thing. I think it was in November 2019 and we were sitting fairly straight, and I sat over there, knew nobody, drove all the way from Musenberg, where I live, and was praying earnestly that, uh, you know, it would be okay, because I didn't know, I'd never met Mike and AD or anybody, I just knew who Andrew was, and um, I sat down, and uh, people greeted me, and when I registered, they said, oh, you, Jeff, oh, yeah, nice to meet you, thank you, thank you, and sat down, and then we got to worship, and Merv stood up, and he said, are you Jeff? I said, yeah. He said, I've got a song for you. Totally discombobulated I was after that. You can look it up. It is a word. It just undid me, and that was kind of my introduction into the Joshua Generation world. It was amazing. And Dion Delport, who I know from Port Elizabeth days, came and put his arm around me and comforted me. Made me feel good. I was so diomakar, there was a whole lot of tents on there, and I had to go and sleep in a tent. But God spoke so many words into me, I thought, I don't know who I'm sharing with, but sorry, brother, I've got to go and try and decipher all that God has said to me. So I drove home that night. Got home, prayed God. Left the next morning early. As I crossed the end too, I realized I'd forgotten my little overnight bag. So I had no clothes, so I had to go home again this, that following night. But God just did something in my heart and knitted me into this beautiful church called Joshua Generation. I planted a church in Musenberg in 1993 called the Bay Community Church. Handed that over in 2013. And uh, as Mike said, went around a bit then. Had this incredible experience of visiting Sunningdale, totally on off chance, and uh, God spoke. And here I am. So you've got me for the morning. I'm your brother, so like me or not, you're going to be stuck with me forever. <laughs> Amen. So I want to speak to you this morning about our position in Christ, and I want to speak about our condition in Christ. Because over the last 18 months, our condition has been a very challenging thing to maintain. Can you say amen? amen? Because of difficulties, because of challenges that have come our way through uh, what's happened in the world. One of my favorite authors, and I'm not a theologian, Mike's got all that. They've got so many degrees, these guys, they look like a thermometer, you know. <laughs> I, I'm, just <laughs> I'm just one of those that uh, reads a bit, okay? And this is a quote from one of my favorite guys, A.W. Tozer. He says this, A major hindrance for God's people 
is a hardness of heart caused by hearing men without the Spirit preach about the Spirit. Wow. So I'm hugely humbled by that. The hardness of heart is caused by men preaching about the Spirit who don't actually know Him. And that's a truth. That's a truth. So I want to, I want to speak about our position. It won't be long. And uh, then I'm going to speak about our condition. And I feel God wants to minister to people. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. And it's not to expose you or make you feel bad. He never does that. He convicts us of sin because he, he knows that if we submit to the conviction, we get free from it and we're happy campers. Sin is a shocking thing. It just demeans us. It debilitates us. It pulls us down, yeah? So I'm going to try my best. It's very important that we learn to host guests. You know, when you have a big dinner party, if you're young and you just got married and you're going to have your first evening with people, you, you, you're running around. Even, even the husband who might not have been, you know, involved, he's there and he's making sure everything is just nice. You want to make it nice. You want to host well. And there's the skill that God gives us in hosting the presence of the Spirit. So it's not just a hit and miss We'll try our best. No, we learn to host him. We, we hear him and we do what he says. Amen? So uh, we'll see how we go. I see there is a clock here. They put a clock up in my old church. Um, somebody said, no, we need a clock. And one old guy said, we don't need a clock. We need a calendar. So um, I, I, I can go on a bit, but I, I'm fully aware that it's, it's, it's Sunday and you're back and all that stuff. The Christian life is a journey. We start the journey of uh, our Christianity when we meet Jesus. I met Jesus in 1974. That's a long time ago, yeah. And um, <laughs> before you were born. A year. So there you are. So who was born? No, I won't go there. <laughs> the Apostle Peter calls us aliens and strangers in the world. So this is not our home. This is a journey we're on. We're, we're, we're pilgrims. We're kind of passing through. If you put our time on earth in relation to eternity, it's just like a burp. If you've got a straight line, that's, that's your life. And it's done. We're aliens and strangers in this world. The journey begins when we meet the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Lord, our Shepherd, the one who gives us eternal life. And he, he, he puts us into a position with him. We do nothing. All we bring is our sin. I mean, it's so unfair. Think about it. It's so one-sided. He does it all. And he says, bring your sin and come and tell me of your sin, and I will forgive you, and I will accept you into who I am. And I get a position of standing with the Almighty God. I mean, it's mind-blowing. We don't deserve it. 
We've done nothing to earn it. You can't earn it. Many try and earn it. Lots of my Philistine friends say, well, I'm not a bad guy. I'm trying my best. I said, Brew, I tried my best. Eh? My best was, got me nowhere. I might have had a nice job and a nice house and a company car, and, but that was nothing. That's going to burn. I tried my best. And I liked what Mike said. It's not, we try harder now. No, we, we don't beg and, and plead. We've got to learn to yield. We yield to him. And we give up. We say, Lord, I give that to you. I give that to you. I give that to you. I read a verse this morning. I actually read the Bible this morning. It's amazing. Um, well, I had to leave early. It's not funny. I mean, I had to leave very early. I mean, we live miles away. What's the date today? The 19th. Psalm 100 and... The what? No, it's, I'm, I forgot where I am. What's the date? The ninth, Psalm 109. This is what it says. Psalm 109 says, Give us aid against the enemy. The Psalms, Psalms right. Give us aid against the enemy. It's got very little to do with the preach, but this is for free. <laughs> for the help of man is worthless. And I thought, that's true. I tried so hard. I tried so hard. I was really a nice guy. I'm nicer now, but I tried hard. But the help of man was worthless. If you've tried to win favor with God through what you do, it's, it just doesn't work. At the beginning point, I've got to we confess our sins. We ask him to forgive us. We accept his forgiveness. Then we get taken out of the darkness. And we get brought into a kingdom where there's light. It's beautiful. We get given a right standing with him. We understand his forgiveness and our position in him is secured. We get born again. Born again. I didn't get born again, but my spirit came alive to the realities of God. I remember the night, 24th of October, 1974, in a Baptist church in Port Elizabeth. And there were charts around the wall. He was preaching on the revelation. There were lakes of fire. And my late wife said, darling, we're going to a meeting. I said, oh, that's nice. She said, it's a church meeting. I said, that's not so nice. <laughs> and this guy who preached said that night, he said, I'm not going to do anything of what's on the wall. I'm going to tell you what it means to be a Christian. And that was for me. And I walked through the door into the vestry, which is the religious name for an office, and he said, how long did it take for you to come through the door? I said, a second. He said, that's how quickly Jesus wants to save you. Just like that. You come to him, bah, he's waiting for you. And he gave me a new standing and a new, and new heart. I got born again. My spirit got awakened by the Holy Spirit. It says Psalm 36 verse 9, if you want to put that up. Ingrid, hey, I'm doing well. I've remembered one name. For with you is the fountain of light, life. In your light, we see light. If you're not in God's light, you can't see. God's light opens up the inside of a man and a woman, and you begin to see. 
and you begin to learn. So God gives us a new understanding. In John 6, 28 and 29, Jesus is talking to some of the religious leaders, and they come to him with an interesting question. I'm going to break my neck here. Then they ask them, what must we do? Now listen very carefully. What must we do to do the works God requires? Now there's a very key word there, to do the works God requires. Because human nature says, I'll work my way into a position with Jesus, with God. I'll work. I will do everything I can. I will join the church. I'll work. I'll serve. I'll, I'll work. And they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this. I love this. To believe in the one who was sent. That's the work we do. That's the first work we do is to believe in the one that was sent. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this. This is what we've become. You're a chosen people because he chose you. The Bible says we didn't choose him. He chose us. Why did he choose you? If I stand and look in front like this, I don't know how many people, 200 people. And the Bible says the church, the hope of all the world. And I say, Jesus, you're amazing. You've got faith because I'm looking at you. And you're the hope of the world. You're the hope of the world. There we are. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. I'm royalty, bro. I'm royalty. I'm a prince. There's princes and princesses here. A royal priesthood. That's wonderful. A people belonging to God that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Oh. That's our position. Through what did I do? Nothing. I believed. I believed. I believed in the one who was sent. And then the final verse on this is 1 John 3.1. It says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called the sons and daughters of God. And that is what we are. That should actually get you quite excited. I mean, I was working yesterday and fortunately didn't have a chance to watch the rugby. So I was very happy. I was. I was very lucky. We cannot, by good works, win God's salvation approval. Our work is to believe in the one that was sent. Now, I don't know you. I know some of you. Because I came to the DMT class and they, no, no, they need prayer, guys. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where you stand by way of your, your position with Jesus. I don't know that. But some of you, just me sharing that very basic thing might say to yourself, gee, I've been, I've been trying too hard. I, I've been, I, you know, the, the meeting started this morning. I love charismatic churches. I was born again in a very traditional church. And when the meeting started, you could, I mean, you could hear a pin drop on the carpet. It was, 
And then the pastor came in. And if you were a deacon, you got the privilege sometimes of walking in with him. And then you'd close the door, and then you'd walk the pastor, and he'd go into the pulpit, and you'd go and sit down, and you'd feel, done my thing. But it's just deathly silence. Then he says, we're gathered here this morning. <laughs> and then you come to a charismatic church. You say, guys, please keep quiet. We want to start the meeting. <laughs> now, what should it be? Well, of course, we're charismatics. It's the latter. But you see, the joy of the Lord is our strength. I could feel it. You, you're so happy to be together. Now, if you, if you felt, and I don't know, as I said, a little bit kind of, wow, this is a bit over the top, eh? You know, there's no reverence here. Because silence is the great revelation. I read that somewhere. It's such nonsense. But because not everything with a biblical flavor is necessarily from God. You know, you read things on, 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 on Facebook and they quote all these quotes and the poets. and Some of it's a load of codswallop, man. You don't want to believe that. But just, you might just think. I want you just to bow your heads. Let's just close your eyes. Yeah, after 15 minutes. And if there's somebody that says, you know what? I, I haven't seen the light of God in his light. I've, I've, not, I've really not understood that. But this morning, it, it makes sense. If, if that's you, why don't you just lift your hand? If there's anybody like that. Anybody. Okay, that's fine. I just felt God say I must do that. I did it. Thank you, Lord. Now I'm done. Okay. <laughs> now, that's our position, but here's our condition, and I've got to hurry because time's marching on. Once we know our position, our con... Sorry. Take my time. Okay, let me put it to you this way. If you really get bored, I will feel that I haven't served you. Because if I'm going to speak under the anointing of the Spirit, now that's going to make you stay, because nobody will want to get up. You see that thing, oh, I can't go now. I don't know. Um, if, you, if you've got to go, you've put a chicken in the oven, and it's going to burn. Look, you're going to have a burnt offering for... There was, you're, an, you're, an, you're an old covenant person, and God bless you. Okay. <laughs> once, once we know our position... Our, con <laughs> our condition is essential to understanding how we develop and grow in the Christian life. Our position is given to us by God through a sovereign work of His grace. Our condition is our responsibility. But I can't do it alone. I need Him to help me. So it's not I'm going to try harder. Smith Wigglesworth, have you heard of Smith Wigglesworth? He was a plumber in, in, in the UK um, and a, an incredible man of God. I mean, just remarkable man of God. I read a story of him once. He walked past a funeral parlor and um, there was a funeral. And um, he felt God say to him he must go into the funeral parlor. So he did. And he stood there and he said, what must I do now, Lord? And God said, you must go and pray for the corpse. Either you're stupid or you've got a lot of faith to do that. And he felt God say, no, you don't. So he went and he picked the person up in the casket. Now, 
Just try and imagine what the people are thinking. Anyway, long story. He prayed. He said, I command you in the name of Jesus to take life. And he put him down and he was still dead. And he picked him up again and he did it three times. And the third time he did it, the guy coughed and came to life. I'll tell you, everybody in the funeral parlor got saved. Who's, who's, who's been around a dead person? I mean, they're not very communicative. You know. <laughs> and, and, and the Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. You were not communicative in the realm of the spirit at all. You were dead. Stone dead. You thought you knew, but you knew nothing. I thought I knew, but I knew nothing. And God made me alive. Brought life to me. Gave me a life. We must not just preach about position. We must know, know our position, but we must preach about our condition. It's very important. So, the Lord is returning for a spotless bride. Ephesians 5.27. Spotless. It's going to be beautiful. And I love this. To present her to himself. <laughs> God is preparing us to present us to himself. Now, if you've been married, and lots of you have, and um, the bride, she has, she has people to help her, dolly her up, make her look pretty for the day. God is doing that, not externally, but internally is working to prepare you so he can be presented with you on that amazing day. I'd, I've done a lot of weddings in my life, and I'd, I'd do a wedding, and then my wife would drive home and she said, didn't you like the dress? And I think, yeah, it was nice, but I don't even remember what it was like. Because men, we don't, I watch the guys, they, they stand in the front and then the, da -da -da -da, and the edge is going to come, and I watch the guy, and then he stands there and she comes and he does this. <laughs> he is gobsmacked, because she's worked hard at making herself beautiful, preparing herself for the groom. Jesus is preparing us to be a spotless Right, radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. He's preparing you. That's condition. He's conditioning us to be acceptable for when he comes or when we go, whoever happens first. He's working in us, his hands on. It doesn't happen by osmosis. You don't come and sit in a charismatic church and become a charismatic. You can do the things charismatics do. You can do the hallelujah hustle, whatever. <laughs> I used to jump, but I don't anymore. Because now when I jump, lots goes down. And when I'm coming down, a lot goes up. So I don't, <laughs> I don't jump. Um, I can clap. I can shout. I can do that. I just do what I see others doing. But I haven't actually had my internal conditioning changed. I'm just, I'm just part of what we do. And that never influences me in my life outside of a meeting. Because I forget it. So that I must do because the Spirit has gripped me with the reality that this is for Jesus. I'm doing this for Him. He, it's Him alone, Him alone. And then when I'm in my own devotions... Any of you young people heard of Charity Gale? Oh, jeepers, you have. Oh, you've got to listen to Charity Gale, guys. I mean, I'm an old guy, yeah, born in the 40s, bro, and I know Charity Gale. 
I'm very disappointed. Chari Listen to the song of Charity Gales on the, cr on the blood. Do myself, YouTube it after the picnic. Charity Gale on the blood. Every time I listen, I just cry. There's one line, she says, you left your throne in glory to build it here inside. Oh, 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 Lord. Can you imagine that? He's doing that in us. He's conditioning us. He's making us what he wants us to be. Now, the challenge is this. We get a little bit off-center. Who's heard my story of the stagecoach? Ah, oh, hallelujah. Because I've told the story a lot. Do you know what a stagecoach is, you young people? In the old days, <laughs> in cowboy movies, because there were lots of those, they rode a stagecoach. It was a coach with horses, and a guy rode the horses, and another guy rode shotgun. He carried a gun, and he protected what was in the coach. So the coach was going from Wellington to Stellenbosch, and they had gold bullion, and they had to guard that, and they take off. And the guy driving the horses is very nervous, and he says to the guy sitting shotgun, that's the guy holding the shotgun, do you see anything? Because Indians are going to come, red Indians that is, And they travel for 15 minutes, and the guy looks up, and he says, no, I see nothing, sits down. And then the guy says, do you see anything? He said, I do. He said, what do you see? He said, I see dust clouds. And he said, can you see people? He said, yeah, no, no, you don't have to worry. They're far away. They're only this big. They're miles away. I can make this very long, but every 15 minutes, he asks the guy, do you see? And he says, they're not that, but they're this big. Then they this big. And then finally, after two hours of riding hard, this guy riding shotgun says to the guy driving the horses, they're climbing onto the stagecoach. So the driver says, well, shoot him. Shoot him. And he's holding the gun. And, he, and the guy says, shoot him. He's going to attack us. Shoot him. He says, I can't. He said, why? He said, because I've known him since he was this big. <laughs> now the story <laughs> the story's got a moral to it sin is like that that's what sin is like it's over there it's just small that's what sin is like and then we can't get rid of it because we've known it since it was this big. In the beginning, it was nothing. I could handle it. Now it's become part of me. Now it's hard. Now it's tough. I want to just turn, just take the, get me the James passage, if you don't mind. And I want to read it. Is it, am I with James? Yeah, I can do James. He says this. When tempted... No one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Thank you, Lord. God will not be moved. It's not like us. We get moved. Our feet are on the rock, but we just get moved. But each one is tempted, listen now, when by his own evil desire... 
he is dragged away and enticed. Now, don't get a picture of me dragging somebody, dragging you away. It's not, that's what he was talking about. He's, he's talking about in your heart, you, you losing something of what God put in you. You're getting dragged away. And the elders and the deacons and your friends are crying in their hearts. You get dragged away and, and you get enticed. You, you're tempted by your own evil desire. Then he says this. He's dra- and enti- then after desire has conceived. So this is very important. Jesus was tempted in every way just like we are. He, he, he was tempted in every way. I mean, I looked up the Greek word for every way. It says every way. <laughs> oh, that's I, know, I, know, I know a little Greek. He's got a cafe down in the corner near us. That's about as much Greek as I know. I've got a Strong's. I read it up in the Strong's. And then, you know, you quote all the Greek and people go, wow. If you've got that big, thick Strong's, you can do it too. You can do it too. So he, 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 he's dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived. In other words, that desire births something in you. When you got conceived, when I got conceived, life began to form in my mother's womb. It was conceived. Something happened. It, and it, then that gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You get enticed. You get dragged away. Because God wants to help us. He wants to bring light and hope and healing and help to us. Jesus met a woman at the well in John chapter 4. Sorry, I'm going backwards now, Ingrid. You, I'm like that. I'm sorry. I'm a bit backward in coming forward. That's James. I don't want James. John 4. Did I give you that? No, it doesn't matter. So Jesus meets this lady, and she's sitting there, and he asks her for a drink. You know the story? You know the story? Okay. This is what Jesus says to her. He says an amazing thing to her in John chapter 4. Let me read it here, um, because I want to, I want, I can't read, I can't do this on a cell phone and an iPad and that. You've got to have the book, man. You've got to have the book, man. I want to smell the pages. This is my book. This is the Bible. This is it. This is the Word. Amen? Amen. Sorry, I'm just old-fashioned like that. He says this, whoever drinks the water, I give him. She says, but you know, how are you going to get water? You haven't got anything to draw. And he said, look, the water I give you to drink, if you drink of this, you'll never thirst again. She says, wow, that's incredible. He says, he says this to her. He says, everyone who drinks the water, this water will be thirsty, this water. But whoever drinks the water I give him, now listen carefully, will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them will become in him a spring. Whew. What a spring is? This is not a spring. That's, you know, a spring is not that thing you put on the car that give way afterwards. A spring, that a spring never fails, just keeps giving and keeps giving. So when you get born again, your position is you drink the living water. Who is Jesus, who is the Holy Spirit. You partake of him and your spirit man gets awakened. And Jesus says, you know what I'll do now? I'll I'll put a spring in you. 
I put a spring inside of you that will just keep bubbling up and it says, and it will well up to eternal life. That's, that's, that's a positional thing, but, but, we go of course. And our springs become a little bit clogged. And when you clog a spring at its source, you can block it. And then it might appear, if you're lucky, come out somewhere else. I've got a friend who, who lives up in Clarence in the Eastern Free State. We planted a church there many, many years ago, and he bought a, a farm. And there's a spring on the farm, and he protects the, the place where the water comes out the mountain. He protects it from the animals. Because, you know, the Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. You know that? You know how stupid sheep are? I mean, thank you, Lord. All we, all, including me, we like sheep. They're like stupid sometimes. And the sheep don't wait for the water. They, go, they want to go to the source and they trample all over it. And they block up where the water comes out the mountain. So he protects the source where the water comes out. And God wants us to protect the spring that he's put in us. Because we, go, we, we get a little bit off center. We get a little bit off center. And, and we got to, this is a, a, a Josh Jen, we've got to recalibrate. It's true, eh? And what's the other famous expression? Do you get me? No, not do you get me. Does this make sense? That's Andrew. Does this make sense? I love that. Does this make sense? Is it making sense? Are you getting it? Say amen. Come on. You, 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 all behind your masks, you know, some of you might even be sleeping. I don't know. I don't know. I can't see. So, so God puts a spring. Um, oh my goodness! With the top. Anyway, He puts a spring in me. Now, if that source, that that life source, gets damaged, then my Christian life suffers. Then you know what I start doing? I start working harder because things are not going for me. No, go back to the source. I've blocked the spring. I've done something. What is it, Lord, that I've done? And one John is amazing. He, he says, you know, if, if you sin, when you sin, you know, we've got an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus. He never lost a case. Never lost a case. This is not Mr. Zuma. This, this is, he's never lost a court case. And he represents me, and he represents you in heaven. And I come to him, and I confess my sin. The Bible says he, he is faithful and just to forgive me. Oh, thank you, Lord. I've got four children. My youngest is going to be 40 this year. My youngest is going to be 40. Oh, my youngest is going to be 40. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, when he was a little chap, I bought a, 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 a chocolate bar. And I took a bite, put it on my side table in my bedroom, and we were doing what we were doing. I came back after I thought, I took a big bite of this thing. This, this thing is diminished. So I... Like a good dad said, who's been eating my chocolate? And there was silence. And then he said, I'm sorry, dad, I fell into temptation. Because <laughs> we'd been teaching about them being tempted. I fell into temptation. Now, now, it's easy. We do. We fall into. And that causes blockages in the spring. 
and the life of God doesn't flow like it should. I'll quickly go to that. God is coming back, I said, for a radiant church without spring. We were gonna fa- we're going to face trials. You, Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have some troubles. Those little, those little cards are not in a promise box. You know the daily bread little thing where you pull out a promise for the day? <laughs> when you're having your quiet time and you're in a hurry, you just pull a card... In this world, you will have to, I don't like that one. <laughs> Are you going to live God, godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution? Timothy, no, no, I'll put that one. No, no, no. Ah, I like this one. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. That's my. <laughs> no, you, you're going to have trouble. You, you're not going to become a Christian and not have trouble. You know, we swim upstream. We swim against the tide of worldly opinion. That's tough. It's hard work. In 1 Peter, chapter 4 and verse 12, he says this. Don't be surprised as if something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. He says, look, do not be surprised at the trial you're suffering as, or as, as, as though something strange were happening to you. This could be normal. People say, you, you don't know what I've lived through. I say, you don't know what I've lived through. Do you want me to tell you? No, 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 no. It'll take a long time. Of course we're going to suffer trials. Three years ago, I faced the biggest trial of my life. When my wife died. She was the fit one. I was the fat, overweight guy that was going to die early. All the things were in my name. And then she dies. Why, Lord? No, I'd never asked why. I said to God, I don't understand. But you know what, Lord? Because I know you and I know you know me. I'm going to trust you. And trusting God doesn't always mean I understand everything. You see, if I, if I understand everything, I don't need faith. I'm going to trust you. I don't understand. But I'm going to trust you. And then 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 to 9, he says this, your faith. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief or these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine, may result in praise, glory, honor, when Jesus is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him, are filled with an inexpressible joy. It's going to happen. We're going to face trials. Your faith has to be tested. Because a faith that has not been tested, I'm speaking from memory now, cannot be trusted. I don't know who said that. I wish I did. But um, that's a quote. A faith that hasn't been tested cannot be trusted. Jesus was tested. Oh, but we can trust him. Now, if, you, if you're discipling somebody... And the wheels fall off when somebody calls you a, a wally. And you, <laughs> well, they won't trust you. Gee, I'm just trying to help me. And look, they, they can't endure a little trial. Faith that's tested can be trusted. And then let's go to the last verse, 1 John 3, 3. And this, this is a beautiful verse. He who has this hope in him purifies himself. 
Now, John doesn't mean that I'm purifying, purifying myself, and you get into your lotus position, and you burn candles. No, no. What he means is this. You give yourself to Jesus, and you allow the Holy Spirit. You say, Lord, here I am. I've got this hope. I'm going to purify myself. Your purification doesn't happen by osmosis. You hang out with nice guys, but you never change. You're always going to be the same. If you want to kill giants, you hang out with the giant slayer, and you learn how they kill giants. How do you kill giants? I'll show you. Let's find a giant. He who has this hope purifies himself. Now I want to challenge you, because that's what preachers do. And I'm leaving after this. No, mind you, I'm staying for the picnic. Okay, it doesn't matter. <laughs> how, are, how are you? How's your spring? How's your spring? Have you had an encounter with God? If you read the Bible, men and women of God have encounters. They meet God, and God meets them. And we're not going to have an Apostle Paul encounter where he gets knocked off his donkey and the front letter of his name gets bumped off and he was Saul and now he's Paul and I was Jeffrey and now I'm Beffrey. It's... (laughs) That's the, that's, that's the Apostle Paul's experience. I'm talking about an encounter that you know, that you know, that you know. I met the living God this morning. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. He did something in my heart that no one else can do or has done. I, I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. Or is your spring still welling? Or has it come a bit clogged? There's so many things that can take us away from what God wants to do in us. The world is so full of stuff. So full of stuff. Fortunately, I'm not very skilled on cell phones and things. People said, did you watch that? I, don't even, I didn't even know how to take a selfie. And then they said, I've got to do a, a morning devotion. Somebody had to teach me how you push a little thing on the phone, then you see yourself. I, I never knew that. I thought you'd turn the phone around and click it from that. I didn't know how to do a selfie. And somebody was helping me online. They said, what do you see? I said, I see my coffee cup. Because Howie said, put a whole lot of books there in a coffee cup and lean your phone against the coffee cup. What do you see? I said, I see the coffee cup. And Nordine, <laughs> she found Mac and Nordine. She said, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, I'm trying to work out how to use the phone. She said, please don't ever wipe that off Facebook. That's the funniest thing I've ever seen. My brother phoned me from Plettenberg Bay. He said, look, I know you've done some daft things in your life, but honestly, I didn't know, fortunately. Because in my day, you never had those things. But it's available. It's so easy. It's in your hand. When I was a young guy, the TV, woo, frat, bro, you get a TV, the devil is now in your house. That's what they used to tell us. See, TV quip, the devil's in your house. We used to have neighbor vision. We didn't buy a TV. We had neighbor vision. I'd go next door to the neighbor and watch. <laughs> <laughs> Because, because 
in the church I was in, TV, and there was a program called Dallas and Falconetti. And you had the to to Dallas. I know, I know, I know. Want as die dominee voorbijgeloop het, is dit groot moeilijkheid vir ons. Kijk jy vir Dallas, ja. Every, no, Tuesday nights, you didn't go out. It was Dallas. The whole of South Africa closed down. Restaurants, restaurants never even opened on a Tuesday. Because the devil came into people's houses. But, no, no, but now you carry it in your hand. It's in your hand. And we can laugh, but have you been watching things that stop the flow? Stop the will. Has sin been robbing you of all that God wants for you? We can fix it. He can fix it. I can't fix it. I'm like a drain pipe. Put my hand up. Put my hand out. Comes in. Goes out. I've got nothing to give you outside of him. It's not about me. But he wants, to, he wants to touch you. He wants to restore you. He wants to get the well, that spring flowing again. He wants you to enjoy the life that he's coming to give you. That's why Jesus said, I've come to give you life. And life in all its fullness, abundance. What is abundant life? Cars, motor cars, houses, holidays. No, no, no. It's the spring. It's the spring that brings satisfaction and I'm just, I'm, I'm content. I'm content. I'm content. My kids always tease me. I used to, when we went into the ministry, we were, we were poor, man. I, I always used to say, I'm so, I was so poor, I couldn't even pay attention. <laughs> and and we, <laughs> we'd, we'd, we'd buy some stuff for the kids, and the kids would say, Dad, how, how can, we haven't got any money. And I would say to them, We've got money we haven't used. Now my son-in-law in Durban says that. And my other son-in-law, they use. We've got, we've got money we haven't used. Not a lot, but we've got some. It's not about what I have. It's who I am. It's what Jesus has done to me. So, it, this, could, this could get messy, but you know what? That's, I, like, I like messy. Let's just, let's just close our eyes. Come. I need to say amen. I finished preaching. Amen. <laughs> Let's just close our eyes. And I want you to just develop a posture. Just put your hands in front of you. And you say to God, here I am, Lord. And even if you feel in yourself, well, 